We're in this series called The Generosity Ladder, and we're simply trying to discover what God thinks about money. And interestingly, God has a lot to say about money. He wasn't silent on this issue at all. And so last week, we discovered a few things. We discovered that Jesus actually talked about money more than a lot of other topics. He really did. Jesus talked more about money than what he did heaven and hell and prayer. As a matter of fact, 11 of the 39 parables that Jesus spoke, these stories that illustrated truth, 11 of these 39 parables were about money. Jesus had a lot to say about this, and why is that? Well, I believe it's because money is generally something that represents us. And how we choose to spend money says a lot about what we love. How we choose to spend our money says a lot about what we value and what we really like in life. Here's what else we discovered last week. We discovered that God owns it all. I mean, God owns absolutely everything. And this is the one big underlying paradigm-shifting truth. And if we could just get that, if we could wrap our minds around that, it would change a lot for us. And so to get us thinking in that lane, I've got a couple of questions for us. Here's the first question. Do I honor God as CEO and owner of the assets that he's given to me and he's entrusted to my care? Or do I treat him as a mere financial consultant to whom I pay a fee? Do I really believe that God is the owner and the CEO of all of my stuff, or is he just another person on the list that I have to give money to? So am I treating him as the owner and operator, or is he just another individual on a list, and I've got to give money to him? That's the first question. Here's the second one. Have I been acting as if I own the store and God works for me rather than understanding that God owns it all and I work for him? See, at some point we have to discover who is actively in control of everything in my life. And sometimes we want to take control of everything, and God the whole time is saying, I would like that spot. I would like to do that. I'm really good at that because I own absolutely everything. It's all mine anyway. And then last week, we also talked about the generosity ladder. And I hope a lot of you have had some fun just thinking through where you're at on the ladder and what God might be speaking to you about in terms of climbing to the next rung. So let's review a bit about the generosity ladder. Now keep in mind, the ladder is simply a tool. It is a tool that takes us from here to there. The ladder is a tool that helps us understand that God owns it all. And so that's all it is. And God throws out this challenge for us to climb the generosity ladder. Take your hands off of what I've already given to you and just watch what I do in your life. And so we talked about the different rungs on the ladder. Now, what I love about the generosity ladder is that there is a place for everybody. And God understands and God gets that we're not all in the same place on this generosity ladder. And that's all good. He gets that. He understands that. 
But wherever we're at, there is a place that we can get to, whether we're off the ladder or we're somewhere on the lower rung or we're in the middle or we're even at the top. There's another rung to climb. So let's just kind of review this. Rung number one says that I'm going to return an initial gift to God through the church. And this would be called an initial giver. This is somebody who gets on the ladder for the very first time. And this is a thrilling place to be. It really is. There's some fear involved. But working out of this new underlying paradigm shifting truth that God owns it all, we jump on the ladder and we return an initial gift to God through the church. This is a thrilling place to be. And it starts us on a journey of generosity where God can do incredible things in our lives. It's a great place to be. But I don't think God wants us to stay right here. He wants us to climb the ladder. And so rung number two says that I'm going to return a tithe to God through the church. We would call this a percentage giver. The word tithe is a Bible word that means 10%. And so we're talking about giving up to 10% of what God has already given us back to him for his work through the church. Now, is there anything magical about 10%? No, not really. I do think there's something about 10%, though, that God knew would help us just take our hands off of our stuff and just open it up to him. And so he encourages us to become a percentage giver. Now, here's what I've discovered. Sometimes people never climb to rung number two. They never become a percentage giver because they think in their mind, I can't get to 10%. I mean, that's not a reality for me. I would never be able to do that because of the different obligations that I have. I just can't do 10%. Well, here's the deal. What about starting with 1% or 3% or 5%? The beauty of becoming a percentage giver is that it begins to build consistency in our lives. And that's why I believe God wanted us to consider a tithe. Build consistency this way by becoming a percentage giver. Start somewhere and then watch God grow that in your life and your desire to increase that. That's rung number two. Again, a great place, an exciting place to be. But I don't believe God wants us to stay there either. There is another rung to climb on the ladder, and that is when we become a generous giver to God through the church. We would also call this person a sacrificial giver. This is the individual who gets so thrilled and so excited about what God is doing through the church and in the world that they leave 10% behind and they just find ways creative ways to give more and more to God's work. We would also call this a sacrificial giver. So these are the different rungs on the ladder. Rung number one is an initial giver, a great place to be. Rung number two is a percentage giver. Again, that's a wonderful place, but God wants us to continue to climb the ladder until we reach sacrificial giving where we just find more in more ways where we can give to God's work. Again, the beauty of the generosity ladder, the beautiful thing is that wherever we're at, 
even if we're not even on the ladder yet, even if we haven't taken that step, is there is something for us. There is a rung that we can climb to where we can just open up our lives and say, okay, God, in this area of money, that's not really mine because God owns it all anyway, here's what I want to give back to you for your work. Now, why climb the generosity ladder? I mean, what does it actually do for us? Maybe you're thinking, sounds great. I'm willing to take that risk. I'll get on the ladder or I'll climb a rung or two. I mean, I'll really chase after this. But why is this a valuable thing? What's really in it for me? Well, here's just a few thoughts. First of all, climbing the generosity ladder. It frees us from the addiction to stuff. Instead of it being about me and mine and how can I package all of this stuff, when we give more away, it actually frees us from the addiction to having more. Frees us from our stuff. Secondly, climbing the generosity ladder frees us to use money on purpose because when we give more away, all of a sudden we've got to be more careful with what we have and we have to manage that well. So in a unique way, It helps us to do a better job with our money when we give more away. It frees us just to use money on purpose. And then climbing the generosity ladder frees us to invest in things that matter eternally. So climbing the generosity ladder, it actually frees us. And this can be a stretching thing. It can be a very, very difficult thing depending on where we're at, but it also can be a freeing thing. So here's our big idea for today as we think about this. Start the climb. That's what we're going to chase. Start the climb. Let me ask you, where do you think you're at on the generosity ladder as you think about these different rungs? Where would you say that you're at in giving back to God and his work in the local church and throughout the world? And what do you think that God might be whispering into your heart about generosity? I want to share a story with you of someone right here at Valley Point who's kind of wrestled with this whole generosity thing and starting the climb. It's the story of Lee White. He's one of our Elders, and I want you just to listen as he shares a bit of his generosity story. Check this out. We had always been tippers at church. I'd grown accustomed to dropping a couple of 20s in the bucket as it went by. I never really thought about giving as part of my relationship with Christ until one service. Our previous church was looking to expand into some adjacent office space. So our pastor was giving a talk about getting in the game. And he began to talk about someone out there that had had a real good year. Someone that had made a lot of good decisions, worked hard, and turned some deals. I remember thinking, yeah, we did have a good year. I had led some critical business improvements, and I was with him all the way, nodding my head in agreement with him. I was running the year through my head and just looking at all the good things that had happened. But then our pastor turned the story by asking a few questions. 
Who do you think gave you the discernment to make those good decisions? Who do you think gave you the stamina to work those long hours? Who do you think put that deal together? You think it's you? And then he laughed hard. You think it's you? (laughs) I was cut, literally. He asked me a question. Would we rather live on 90% blessed or 100% not blessed? So that began a journey of becoming a full court follower of Christ. Giving became part of the worship process. Now, we wish we could give more. Climbing a rung on the generosity ladder can be a hard thing to do, but it matters, and it deepened my friendship with God. It's a great story of how it's not always easy to start the climb, but when we begin the process, God does something unique in our hearts when we begin to obey him in this area. The paragraph that we're going to unpack today is found in Matthew chapter 6. And here we find Jesus speaking. And he's talking to a group of people, and he begins to zero in on money. Because again, Jesus talked about money quite a bit. And so if you have a Bible with you, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 19. You'll also find these words on the screen. Here's what it says. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Now, do you see that word store there? Remember that word. We're going to come back to that in a bit. Verse 20. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Now, do you see the word destroy? Remember that word because we're going to come back to it too. So we've got the word store and we've got the word destroy. Now, here's verse 21, key verse. Here's the words of Jesus. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Now, these are Three incredible verses that give us all kinds of financial principles. And so what we're going to do is we're going to lift three principles right out of the words of Christ here. And then after that, I'm going to move into some frequently asked questions about giving and money that a lot of people come to me with. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6 and pull out some principles, and then we'll move on from there. So here's principle number one as we think about Jesus speaking on money. Here it is. Determine your priorities. This is exactly what he's saying in verse 19. Just determine your priorities. Now, do you remember the word store? Here's what it actually means. It means to live from day to day as to accumulate riches. So if we're storing up treasures on earth, we're living day to day and we're working and we're doing all of the things that we're doing so that we can accumulate stuff for me and treasure for me. And the challenge here is don't live that way. There might be a better option, so don't chase that. And then we're presented with this big question. Do you want to store up treasures on earth? Do you want that there? Or would you rather store up some treasures in heaven? What do you want to do? 
Which brings us to principle number two, and that is there is a best option. And no shock here, no surprise, the best option is to actually store up your treasures in heaven because moths cannot get to it there and thieves cannot break in and steal and it cannot be destroyed. Now the word destroy is fascinating. It means to snatch out of sight or to consume or to disfigure. And so what Jesus is saying here is there is a better option for your stuff the things that you work hard for. And when we become generous, we can actually store up treasures in heaven. And when we do that, when we store treasures there, it cannot be snatched from us. It cannot be consumed. And it will never be disfigured. It cannot. It cannot. It's impossible for our treasures in heaven to be destroyed. As a matter of fact, They make a difference for eternity. Here's the third principle. Your heart follows your treasure. It does. You could also say it this way. Your heart follows your money. Wherever your money goes, whatever you spend it on, that's exactly where your heart will be. And this is what verse 21 says. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So let's just think about this in practical ways, all right? So if your treasure is your car, that's where your heart will be. I really like cars, but I've abandoned putting my heart there because I tend to destroy them. I told you on Easter how I totally ruined one of my cars. I ran into somebody else and wasn't paying attention, and so that car is done and over with. And then just yesterday, I was in the other car, and I backed into a rock. A rock. I don't know how you do that. Rocks don't move. It's, it's not like they're trying to get in the way of my car. Maybe there's something wrong with my equilibrium. I'm, I don't know what's going on, but I'm kind of a mess right now with cars. And so I'm not putting any more treasure there because that's not working out so well for me. But if we do, if that's where our treasure is, that, that's where our heart will be. If our treasure is in our retirement portfolio, it's where our heart will be. And we'll be consumed with dumping more and more into that and making that work. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but that's where our heart will be. It's where it goes. If our treasure is our home, as in the physical dwelling, then that's where our heart will be. If our treasure is just in accumulating more and more and more, then that's where our heart will be and that's what will consume us. If our treasure is, you fill in the blank for you. That's where your heart will be. And so this really comes down to where do you want to place your heart? I mean, where do you want that to be? And here's how that works in financial ways. Follow the money trail. Just follow the money trail. Where our money goes, that's where our heart will be. So here's the challenge. Think about your financial life and the things that you enjoy and the things that you want and the things that you're saving for and all of that, which we're responsible for. We have to manage this stuff. So just think about all of that and place that over the grid of what we find in Matthew chapter 6 
and the principles that Jesus gives to us. Determine your priorities. There is a best option of storing our treasure in heaven where it can't be disfigured or consumed or snatched away from us. And our heart follows our money. That's just the way that it works. So the challenge is place your financial life over the grid of Matthew chapter 6 and what Jesus says and then come to some conclusions about what God wants to do with your money or really the money that's his that he's given to you for just a time. All right? Three principles right out of Matthew chapter 6 that just kind of help us figure out how we're supposed to use our money and what God might be saying to us about generosity. Now, inevitably, whenever you teach on something like this, you get a lot of questions. Like, have you ever thought about this? Or does God really want me to consider giving up to 10% of my income? I mean, that seems a little crazy, a little out there. Is that really what God wants? And what about this over here? And what about this thing? And so I get all kinds of different questions. And I thought I'd just package that in terms of our generosity ladder and thinking through this and share these questions with you and also share the answers. So let's think about some questions when it comes to the green stuff, all right? So take a breath. I know we're talking about money, so just take a breath. Let's relax a bit and think about these questions. First of all, maybe you're asking, how do I start? I mean, I kind of get that God wants me to do something and that makes sense, but how do I actually begin? What does it look like if I'm going to give to God through the church? How do I start? Well, I would encourage you to start right here at Valley Point Church. And if this is your faith home, then you can invest here. And I would invite you to do that. And I don't say that because I'm the pastor of the church and we need money. And so, of course, you should give here. I say that because I believe this is what God wants for you. It's what God wants for all of us. He wants us to get on the ladder and then just enjoy watching him work through our money to accomplish great things. And I get a front row seat to watching that happen right here at Valley Point Church. It's a fun thing. And you can know that what you give here works and it matters. And it's pointing people to real relationships that inspire real significance. So I would encourage you to give right here at Valley Point Church. How do you do that? Well, every Sunday, we take an offering right here. And we don't do that just because we're supposed to do that or it's the religious thing to do and we pass a bucket and it's kind of the thing. We do that because it's an act of worship. It's an act of saying, okay, God, you've given some things to me. You've blessed me. You've enabled me. And so now I'm going to give back just a portion of what you've already given to me for your work through the church. And so you can do that right here on a Sunday morning. You can also give online at valleypointchurch.com and we have a very safe and secure way that you can give. And this is the way that I give. And if you enjoy doing the online banking thing and moving things around and you like all of that, then you can do that online at valleypointchurch.com and it is safe and it is secure. Whatever you give to Valley Point Church, it's tax deductible and you'll get a receipt at the end of the year that you can give to your favorite tax guy, and you can have a lot of fun with that. So if you're wondering about how do I start, 
I mean, I'm ready to get on the ladder. I know God wants me to do this. Well, you can begin right here on a Sunday morning or you can give online. That's how it begins. Those are the on-ramps to generosity. Those are the on-ramps to climbing the ladder. Maybe that's not your question. Maybe you're already giving and you're kind of wondering, how does money work at Valley Point Church and what happens to the money that is given? And that's a great question. And we would never want you to blindly jump into something and just assume it's all good. And so I want to take a few moments and just respond to that. We collect money on Sunday and we collect money online and all of that money is counted by our financial director. We have an individual who leads out on this and he takes care of all of these things for us and that is his work. It's his job and we want to be careful with that because we want to manage well the gifts that people give to the church. I want you to know that Valley Point Church exists completely on the gifts that are given on Sunday and online. That's it. We don't have any outside organization that gives to us. Nobody bails us out. We're not part of a denomination. We are a non-denominational church. And so we exist completely on the gifts that are given here on Sunday and the gifts that come in online. We have a weekly budget of $13,750. And that's printed in your program. And you can see how we're doing in comparison to that for the year. And we put that there so you're aware of the needs that we have and what's happening. So the money comes in. Our financial director takes all of that. And here's how we're accountable. He has an accountability partner, somebody that manages that with him. And that person has a financial background and together they kind of watch each other and they make sure that everything is being done the right way. Together, those two put together reports. Those financial reports are given to the elders of our church. The elders look at that once a month and we make sure that things are being done the way they're supposed to be done. And again, we do all of that because ultimately we're accountable to God and we're also accountable to you. And we want to make sure that we're using the gifts that you're giving and your generosity in a way that's putting a smile on the face of God. And then all that money begins to be used. It's used for salaries. It's used for programming. It's used for building rental and building upkeep on our Bethel Road campus. It's used for our missionaries and our different partners. And we begin to use the gifts that you give to help the message of Christ go out. That's how money works at Valley Point Church. Here's a third question. Can I give to whatever I want? I mean, does it really have to be the church? Can it be a variety of organizations that are doing great things? And the answer to that is absolutely. God has given you financial means and you really can do what you want with that. The pattern, though, of what we see in Scripture is that the first 10% of what we have goes to God's work, which is uniquely the church. There is only one institution that God has left in the world today to share the message of hope, the truth about Christ with everybody, and that is the church. And so God wants our first 10% to go to the church. And what I tell people is if you honor that, I think you'll be surprised at the ways God opens up more opportunities for you with your finances to give to a lot of other organizations that are doing great things. 
Here's one more question. Do I give off the gross or the net? I get this one a lot. I have people come to me. Hey, pastor, (laughs) gross or the net? What do I do with this, you know? And so I'll respond and say, well, do you want God to bless you off the gross or the net? What do you want God to touch there? Uniquely, Scripture is kind of quiet on this particular area. The Old Testament, though, talks about giving first fruits. And the Old Testament believers were encouraged to give out of the best of what they had, not the leftovers. And somebody encouraged me with this one time many years ago. And they said, when you get your paycheck, just make the very first thing you do before anything else, just make that your gift to God and his work. And then you've got to figure everything else else out after that. And I found that to be a very, very helpful tool. Because see, sometimes we reverse that. Sometimes we take care of everything else and then what's left over, we figure out what we can give to God. If we reverse that, it actually makes us a little more intentional about what we have and our money might go further. So do you give off the gross or the net? That's something you get to wrestle with a little bit. But I think ultimately you want to get to a place where you can give off of your gross income, where you're giving off of the best of what you have. So just one takeaway for today. Here it is. Adopt the habit of now. Meaning take your next step or your very first step now. There will always be reasons to wait. There will always be more financial decisions. There will always be financial pressure. There will always be another thing to buy. But if you start climbing the generosity ladder today, I think you'll be very happy with watching God do wonders in your financial world. You know, sometimes you have to stretch yourself and your faith a bit. And God is looking for us to do that. And we have to find creative ways just to stretch ourselves and to make sure that we're growing and we're being obedient to God in every area of our life. And this is an area where we can stretch ourselves and watch our faith grow. Here's what we do, though. Sometimes we get a little safe and we get a little secure and content with where we're at with God today. And we're kind of happy with that and that's all good. And then that leads to being bored with my Christian walk being bored with God and being bored with my church. And when that happens, we tend to say things like this. The church needs to do something for me. They need to feed me, program for me, and it becomes about me. God never says that stuff, though. What God is looking for is for us to stretch ourselves and our faith, and the choice is on me. And I think the reality is one of the greatest ways, there's a lot of different ways we can do this, But one of the greatest ways we can stretch our faith and watch ourselves grow is in this vulnerable area of our money. You know, one of the things I love about Valley Point Church is that there's a lot of generosity that happens here. There's a lot of generosity, and it's a pretty amazing thing. At the beginning of the year, I had the opportunity to deliver a check to one of our partners, City Team, in Chester, Pennsylvania. And we had been raising money to give to them and they took that and they started to repair and redo a chapel in the buildings that they own. And so they put in a whole new floor 
and they put in new chairs and they put in a brand new counter and they repainted that thing and it looks absolutely beautiful. I got to go a couple of weeks ago to the grand opening and watch them just serve people in a chapel area that Valley Point Church got to redo. And what I love about that, what I think is so amazing and so incredible is we don't even have our own chapel. We don't. But yet God is using us to redo chapels in other places for other people. And I think God loves that stuff. I think that's really, really generous. And God is using us and our generosity to make an impact right here and around the world. You know, if you give, I want to tell you a couple of the things that happen with your generosity. Because I think sometimes we throw some money in and we write checks and we kind of forget about the impact. And so if you give, if you're one of those individuals, I want you just to listen. Because of your generosity, there is a place where people can come and get help. That all happens because of generosity. No other way. A couple of weeks ago, I sat down with an individual and with tears just streaming down his face. He said, you know what? There's an awakening, just an awakening that is happening in my life right now because of what I'm experiencing at Valley Point Church. And he couldn't even describe it. He couldn't even really say what was happening other than his eyes are open and he's so hungry. He's one of the most spiritually hungry persons I've ever seen in my entire life. And that happens, not by mistake. It happens because of generosity, and there's a place for people to come and express that and get help. Because of your generosity, there is a faith community of people gathered just to love others. Because of your generosity, there's a place for people to connect and serve. So many of you serve in different ways. And you know you can't serve if people aren't generous because the place doesn't exist. And so because of your generosity, there's an opportunity for people to have significance with their lives because they can serve and they can give themselves away. Because of your generosity, there's people that are being fed physically and spiritually. See, this is what generosity does. Hope is being delivered in ways that can't even be explained, and it's incredible. But guess what? I think we can do better. I know I can. And God's been speaking to my heart and to my life about my own placement on the generosity ladder. And I think we can do much better at this and God can accomplish more through all of us. I love the words of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. And may God help us to do just that. Father, we're so thankful for the words of Jesus here in Matthew chapter 6 that kind of call us out, kind of share some principles with us and ask us to lay our financial life over the grid of what you explain right there. God, I pray that you'd help us to really listen to you and to do whatever it is 
that you're asking of us. God, help us to climb the generosity ladder. Not because more money is needed, but because climbing the ladder does something in our hearts that just opens the door for you to work in ways that we never could have seen before if we didn't make the simple choice to be generous. So God, speak to us in whatever way that you want. Challenge us, change us, we do pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m.